Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, and excited wife of one. As always, you guys know, this is one of my favorite places to be. Why? Because I get to tool you guys up. We get to talk, hang out, chat, laugh together, and you have the option to talk about it on my social media page. So if you are not following me already, feel free to do so. It will be in the link in your show notes or in the show notes below. So guys, this week, I was able to be on Debbie Reber's Tilt Parenting Podcast. And if you guys do not know who she is, you need to know who she is. She talks about neurodivergence, which is a fancy way of talking about the brain and different thinkers and different learners and really helping us world changers to become used to what that means, become comfortable with that idea and how we as parents can navigate through the system. And so not only does she have her own podcast, she also is a New York Times bestselling author and she has a book called Differently Wired. If you have not read that book, go check it out because guess what? She has for free, raise your hand if that's your favorite word. It's one of my favorite words, free chapter one of that book. That will also be in my show notes. But if you want to check it out, push pause on me and then go check it out at debbiereber.com. But then come back and then let's keep this conversation going. So world changers, that's all for my announcements today. We're going to get right into things. We are continuing with the back to school series. And let me tell you something. If you are my friend on Sharina Williams, CCC SLP on my Instagram page, or if you're my friend on Facebook, then you've seen me posting pictures of my little sugars and us getting used to this academic school year. And let me tell you guys, the first week, the first, I got to stare off y'all. The first week, mind you, this is my second year, but the first week of this year, somebody was about to be on Zoom school and it wasn't going to be with me. And I'm not saying no names too, but it was two little people whose room is next door to mine. But (laughs) I was tooled up, world changers. I was. I made sure to get them on schedule quick because I knew if I didn't get them like in gear, it was going to be. Ooh, it was going to be a tale to tell. You guys are going to see me on the news, world changes. It was going to be a situation. And it was going to be like mad mom who's supposed to be an expert went ham on kids. It was going to look something like that. It was going to be bad. Like it was going to be bad. And so we got it together. We got it together. Everybody got it together. We took a deep breath and we got our situation together. And now I think, I think they're on track. Now, because we're still at home, my husband is on the other side of the wall. He came over and got on him. If he comes over about anything, good luck with your life. If he's coming over to get on to anybody, that tells you how that went. So I tell you guys all of this because one, I want you to know you're not alone. So when I'm saying that we're better together, even experts have rough weeks. Even experts have new things to learn. And as we go through these processes and as we learn about our sugars and as they're going through different stages and different things and things are changing and we're in 
um, the Bay Area and the wildfires are going on, plus COVID is going on and all these different things like kids pick up on that stuff. And so giving them the space to act a little bit silly, but also giving them the space to like, you know, draw that that line in the sand and say, hey, enough's enough. We need to recalibrate together, figure things out and let's move forward. And I think that's honestly the space that we were in. And so, again, I think we're doing much better now. You won't see me on the news, but you might hear me talk to you guys about it because you're my community and I'm your community and I need somebody to listen. And that's what you guys are here for. (laughs) So today (laughs) I'm I'm done ranting. I promise y'all. I promise. Today, we're going to continue with the back to school series. And today we're going to talk about speech and language therapist role in academia. And you guys are about to learn some new stuff that you're going to be like, why didn't I know that? Why didn't I know this? Why didn't anybody tell me this? Where was the memo? Because I could have saved myself X or we could have done Y or I could have been doing Z. That's what I'm here for. So I'm going to help you guys out with that. So speech and language therapists, most people for one don't even know who we are. We're like that little cute hidden gem in in school and we're like somewhere next to the broom closet. because we don't usually get really big classrooms. We get a little space and then we usually get our kids out of the class and then we service their needs and then we send them back. But that's the thing. Many times, the only time families see us is if something is wrong. People don't see us or think about, hey, can a speech pathologist be useful in other areas as well? We can, we are. We're probably some of the most resourceful people you didn't even know that you had in your back pocket or know you knew. So next time you see a speech therapist, like give them a high five, because usually we we go wide and we go deep in what we do. So what do we do in academia? Not only do we catch up those who have speech and language and um, different kind of pragmatic delays, we also are well versed and equipped in getting our other sugars who may need a little bit more support academically or maybe on grade level, but need a little bit more of a challenge, we're good for that too. And so it's really important to understand that speech therapy changes from around preschool to school age. It really changes. Like there's a huge shift, especially for me. I am an early interventionist and I do see some school age kids because I like to diversify, but like where I really study and where I, my heart really is. And not to say I don't love you school agers. I love the school agers, but where I do most of my research, I try to meet you guys where you're really young. And a lot of times the therapy looks play-based and I get to hang out with the parents and the parents get to hang out with me. And it's a much different relationship, but around preschool, it starts to look a lot less like play and a lot more like tabletop work. What do you mean by tabletop work? Stuff you do on a table, stuff you do where there is two people at a table doing some stuff together, working on some work together, learning together, doing together. So that's a lot different than us sitting on the floor and playing and exploring the world around us. And it's not to say that we don't explore with our preschoolers. Um, we definitely don't do much exploring with our school agers. Like it's just no room for that. Um, and it's not the space in academia, but around preschool is where it really changes. And so 
the biggest shift that you'll see is that we kind of make a shift from verbal language to written language. I'm going to say it again. We make a, a shift between verbal language, the stuff that comes out of our mouth, and how to help our sugars understand and respond back. And then we start working on like written language. And written language looks like how we formulate our words, how we put our words into sentences, how we mark our word endings, how we make sentences, how our sentences turn into paragraphs, how paragraphs turn into essays, how we pick up juicy words and how we use all of the parts of speech to make good stuff happen. So that's like the biggest shift. And so if you notice, that can happen not just for our sugars who are behind, but again, for our sugars who are age appropriate on age level and also for the ones who are ahead of the game. Why, you ask? Because we're the masters of language. We understand the building blocks of language. And in our minds, there's always something else you can do. There's always something to work on. There's always something to be better. Like we are the nitpickiest people in the world. So we can find that gifted student and still find something in some way to help them approve, improve upon their skills. We do that. We also work on higher level language. That's that fancy word you hear me throwing around all the time called pragmatics. That's social language. So that's the one area that speech and language pathologists, you'll still hear us talking with our kiddos who have difficulties with social interactions, who don't quite know what to say, or who, who might not get different kind of uh, things in language that we use. Like in the English language, we use a lot of stuff that's not literal, it's figurative, like it's raining cats and dogs outside. Now, I dare you to go outside and see if there's really some cats and dogs out there coming from the sky. Some of the sugars might be like, where are the cats and dogs? We help with that. Or if you have a sugar, again, who may not know how to respond appropriately or feel, you know, comfortable in different social situations, different social scenarios, we work on that. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Sharina, don't don't try me right now. Like we're in Zoom school, AB school, kind of school. We don't get to interact. We don't, it, it's not the same. That's not true. Like there's always a way we can work on social skills. And this is where you world changer can get tooled up with your school-based SLP because they can give you different tasks that you can try at home. And so if you listen to my last episode, I talked about teaming up with SLPs and gave some really good tips on how you can reach out to them, ask them questions, and get really good information on how to apply the stuff that they're doing at school within the home. And so, yes, you can still work on social skills because social skills never sleep, right? Unless you're asleep, right? Social, social skills never sleep unless you're asleep. You get it. That's, you'll get it tomorrow. Anyway, so that's one of those things that we work on. And it's really important that our sugars know how to navigate socially because, again, it never goes away. You're going to need it at work. You're going to need it in your relationships. You're going to need it to maintain your relationships. You're going to need it um, in different settings. Like it's much different to talk to your boss than it is to talk to a friend. And the way that you address a friend is maybe much different than what you would address an elder or somebody else in your community. And so it's important for our sugars to understand 
these nuances of social language, that higher level language, not only how to respond, but how to shift socially in these different scenarios and how to respond in these different scenarios. Make sense? I hope so. The third thing that we do is we work on. This is one of my favorites. This is I I talk about this all the time and you guys didn't even know I was talking about it. Executive functioning skills. Mm -hmm. Guess what that means? Organization. (laughs) Getting organized, organizing your life, all those those schedules, all of those, you know, to do lists, all of those written tasks, all of those goal charts, all of that stuff is organization. And what I love about executive functioning, now for the little sugars, we have to do it for them. So like, for example, in my classroom for my seven-year-old, I have everything color-coordinated organized. Why? Because I know he's not going to do it. And why else? Because I know he's not going to keep up with it. He's going to do it poorly. And so when I come in the room, I can say to him, why is the green notebook in the red bin? And he's going to look at it. And he's going to look at me and he's going to look at it because his brain is going 190 miles per hour and he's going to quickly move it over because he probably wasn't paying attention in the first place. And I want him to pay attention, but I want him to gradually learn how to pay attention. And the only way that I can get him to learn how to pay attention and how to be organized is by creating a space that's organized. Now, world changers, you've heard me talk about this from a little sugars as well. Organizing the play space. That's early executive functioning, getting things organized. Why? Because it helps our minds stay organized. When I know that this goes here and that goes there and that goes here, then that goes there. Then one, it's easier to find stuff. It's also easier to navigate through stuff. And it's also easier when I need to go back and like look for notes or look for things. It's easier to find, right? And this holds true also for the adults as well. Like having a really good organized space keeps us in check. Having mental organizers, that don't always work, especially as you get a little bit older, but like having like organizers. I think I have like three or four different planners for three or four different reasons. And I have kind of the same thing for the kids. Like I have for them their um, their academic calendar. That's for me. They don't need to know, you know, what they're doing on Wednesday in ELA. They don't care. If, you know, they don't care. They just need me to navigate that. But what I do have for them is a daily schedule chart um, for them to know when it's time to work independently, you do this, this, and that. That's simple executive functioning. Now, as the sugars get older and they get more subjects, this is where it becomes crucial for them to know how to navigate and how to stay organized. So for example, you might have one subject, the folder might look like this, and there's seven different tabs in there. And the reason why you want to have that is because you want to know where your notes is, where your vocabulary is, what the content was, what your written work was, what your graded work was, what you're working on next, what your homework is, all of those things. And so it's hard to throw that at sugars as they enter middle and high school and expect them to master it in a way that they're successful. And so, again, this is where we become the models for them and we do it for them. We start off while they're young. And then we help them along the way and then we turn it over to them by middle school and say, "Okay, you know what good organization looks like. Let's put this thing together. And now you keep in charge of it. And not only that, you create it in a way that works for you. And so I've been doing this with my daughter for a while and she's in the sixth grade this year. I'm aging myself, y'all. 
And and it's it's funny because I see her now taking more ownership on how she wants her stuff to be. And granted, her stuff is still color coded, too. But as far as like how she has it structured, she has it for herself. But speech and language pathologists can help guide that. They can help show your sugars how to do that in a way to where it works for them and it helps them, especially if they're a kiddo with like ADD or ADHD, where it's really hard to keep track of stuff for those sugars. Like it's even more important to say, stay super organized or else you look in the backpack and it looks like papers like exploded out. It's like paper confetti or something. And so, you know, it's not just with that population. Again, I've seen this with children who are typically developing and are completely disorganized and have no clue where to start. And then I come in and I help them out and set them on their road to success. And then they maintain it for the long run. Another reason that you want to seek us out is because we understand how the brain works. And so you might want to know, like, or maybe thinking, like, why is that important? Why, why does that matter? Why does it matter if speech language pathologists and academia know how my brain works? Like, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with my sugar? Well, it has to do with we understand how the brain processes information. And so, again, this goes back to I talk, you listen, you take that information on this side of the brain, you process that information. And the information goes through all of these new channels through your brain, ends up coming back out here. And the speech motor programming comes around here because you've, you've, you've got your thought now. And you know what you're going to say and then you're going to spit it out. And so sometimes we process information differently. So you might have some sugars who learn by writing stuff down. Some sugars who learn in really quiet environments. Some sugars who learn in environments to where they need a little bit of noise because they need their brain to hold on to information. Some sugars who are just, you just got to come up with something. And so us understanding like how the brain works, it helps us understand how to deliver that information. And this goes a little bit, this is where we go. We like really separate ourselves from the tutors and the educators Because we understand, again, the building blocks of language and how it takes place, not just the stuff that comes out of your mouth and the stuff that you write down. Also, the thing, the way that you think, the way that you process um, literacy, the way that you process reading information. We look at that, too. How are you processing just simple words? How are you processing longer sentences? How is it you're taking in this written information? How is it that you are producing written information, right? Because the stronger your vocabulary and the stronger you have, you know, the the stronger you're tooled up and the more you know up here, the more that's going to come out there, right? Because if there's not a whole lot of vocabulary, then there's not going to be a whole lot to think about or write about. And if there's not a whole lot of imagination developed, then it's going to be difficult when it's time to take information from here, from here, and put it on here, on that piece of paper. And so world changers, I don't want you guys to take that for granted because you might have your sugar saying, well, I'm not a good writer. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a strong this or I'm not a strong that. And I don't want you to think that at all about your sugar. It's not that they're not a great writer. It's just probably they need different ways and different avenues 
to think about literature, to be exposed to different things outside of their environment, right? Because the more that we see outside of our everyday lives, and I don't care if you're in an urban place, a suburban place, I don't care if you're in a rural place, I don't care where you are. If you're only seeing the same thing and exposed to the same thing without seeing other ways and other forms of lives and seeing things from other people's perspectives, then it's really hard to pull like, it's, it's hard to pull information to be able to relate and to put it on paper. That's a whole nother episode, y'all. I went off. Uh, okay, so let me get back on track. Another thing we look at is auditory processing. Again, this goes back into if I give you information, how are you taking that information in and processing it? And this transcends across subjects like this isn't subject specific, right? How you process information in history. How do you process information in math? How do you process information in English? How do you process information when you're writing? How do you process information in science? And so what you'll notice, world changers, is that there may be a little bit of a trend. And that's what speech and language pathologists are able to pick up on, that trend on how your sugar is processing information and the best way to come in and meet them where they are so we can deliver that information to them in a way that they can learn. Because a lot of times our sugars are like, I'm not a great student or I'm not great at this subject or I'm not great at this and I'm not great at that. That's not necessarily the truth. The truth of the matter is the information probably needs to be delivered in a different way that aligns with the way that they process information. Mm -hmm. When we started homeschooling last year, my daughter just like you could you could bet her one hundred dollars that she was like the worst math student in the world. Like she stunk at math. She did not feel good about how she did math. She did not feel good about how she produced it. She always passed, but she never felt good about like her math and just in general. And so we started working on it. And I realized early on that she needed smaller chunks of information. Giving her a whole lesson at one time was designed for, it was like going to be failure. It was going to be mayhem, smoke in the city. There was probably going to be some tears. It was probably going to be some ranting and raging. There was probably going to be like, you take some space. I take some space. I'm not dealing with you. You know, like it was going to be that kind of thing. But we learned that the way that she processed the information was she needed to write everything down, which meant it needed to be in smaller chunks so she could write it and work on it. And then her brain could take hold of it. And then she was able to produce it. And so I saw this kiddo who was probably like, you know, low average in math. By the end of the school year, I think she we had already like kind of started in next grade level math because she had picked it up because we got a system in place. And so that's where speech and language pathologies come. Speech and language pathologists come in is that we know how to watch how sugars interpret information and how they process that information and to get them a game plan. So remember, my daughter doesn't have an IEP or a 504 plan or anything like that, but she was somebody who was, you know, probably in the average, low average range in math, who's now probably going towards like upper average. She's doing better than what she was. Like, I don't expect her to be a mathematician, but I don't think that she was as low as she was when we started. And that's that's the role that we play. That is what we can do. Another thing that we look at in school in general. And again, this one, this one goes into speech and language to delay is the articulation. And that's the way that you produce speech sounds. 
speech and language pathologists within the school definitely look at speech sounds. We look at speech sounds in school and work on speech sounds in school. Why? Because the way that they're producing speech, the way that your sugar is producing speech, let's say that they're in third grade by now and they're still saying tap for cat and this for this. It, it happens. It's a real thing. Or maybe they have a lift or something like that, right? And so what happens is every time they're saying it like that, the brain is interpreting and processing that information that way. And so when it's time to take that information up here and apply it to that book, then they're they're looking for the stuff to sound the way that they produce it in many cases, which can delay literacy skills. And so this is why I tell you guys, we don't wait and see. Like when we know by like 18 months, things aren't feeling right. If you've watched the Milestone series, then you know by now what to expect. If you haven't, catch up on it. So you'll know what to expect and when your sugar should be 100% intelligible, which means you can understand everything that they're saying. And so we look at this stuff because it does translate over into their learning. It, it definitely has an impact on their learning. So we look at that. We also look at the stuttering and the fluency in the school district. Why? Because again, this can not only have an impact on the learning, but it can also have an impact on the social skills and the confidence and all kinds of other things that come along with that. And usually for the little sugars, they don't really care. Like even little sugar peers, they don't care. They're usually pretty like forgiving, but around fifth grade, they care and they get questions asked. And so again, like using a speech and language pathologist for these kinds of things is important. If your school doesn't offer one, then at this point, sky's the limit. Like you can see a speech pathologist anywhere in the United States of America because everything is virtual at this point. And the final thing that we see sugars for in the school is the reasoning and the thinking skills, the memory the attention, the, retain, the retaining information. Some sugars catch on to information really quick and they do a great job catching on to that information. But what then happens sometimes is the brain just can't find a place to store it or they forget about it or it gets mixed up, right? And sometimes the reasoning is not quite there to where you know, you're kind of talking back and forth and their outcome as to how they should solve things may not always make sense. We help with that because those areas are so important to get through life. It's not reasonable to go up to a friend and take their lunch without asking. It's not reasonable to go and interrupt a, you know, a teacher when they're talking to other students. It's not reasonable to interrupt Zoom school you know, we think about these things as little things, but sometimes there's a deeper thing going on there, a deeper reason going on there. And in school, the sugar ends up being called either behavioral or disruptive or something along those lines when sometimes there's an underlying issue that needs to be addressed. And so we definitely look at that area to make sure that everything is intact and get the sugar tooled up to where they're able to reason appropriately, to think things through. If I do X, then this is the outcome. Um, to help them with that impulsivity, like just doing things without thinking about things. 
And also with the memory, holding on to information and being able to produce it. And it goes back to that auditory processing to where we help learn how sugars process that information and then develop avenues for them to be able to produce it in a way that is totally appropriate. And so you may be wondering at this point, SLPs do all this thing, all these things. I had no clue. But does that mean that I still don't use a tutor or what does that mean for the tutors out there? Or are you bashing tutors? No, absolutely not. I will never bash a tutor. Absolutely. not, Because there's a difference in what we do and what they do. Right. With SLPs, you want to enlist one of us if you notice that any of those things that I mentioned is persistent. That means that it's usually happening across the board. It's not just happening in one area. It's happening in multiple areas. And you're noticing like this trend that the same thing is happening in different places. It's probably happening in class. It's happening at home. It's happening with friends. It's happening on play dates. You just notice that this, this thing is going on, right? With tutors, we like them when we want to get through a specific subject, right? Say, for example, I'm great at every other subject except for history. I really need help in this way. That's when you enlist a tutor. But if there's something going on to where it seems like, gosh, they're not doing great in all of these areas, or I notice like they do really good on their work, except for when it comes to writing, except for when it comes to reading assignments, except for when it comes to memorizing information, that's when you probably want to think about an SLP. Because again, it's going to go across different scenarios. It's going to go across different places. It's going to it's going to happen in more than one place. That's when we want to look for an SLP over a tutor. But again, tutors are great for subject specific stuff. And if you have a sugar who's seeing a tutor for a few different things, then you still might want to enlist an SLP just to take a look at things and look at like those those little areas, those little fine details of what's going on, because a lot of times there's underlying things that we can team up with the tutor and help them resolve. So that doesn't necessarily mean fire your tutor. It means that there might be something else going on that we need to prescribe and help. Again, tutors, they solve the more obvious things, the more obvious problems where it might be, you know, I need to get through the SATs. I need skills and tools to get through that. I need skills and tools to get through something very specific. Like it's an obvious thing an obvious reason, like it's not a persistent issue that's going on that's underlying. And then if you go to a tutor, this is really important. I want you guys to catch this. If you go to a tutor and your sugar gets caught up and they're back on, on age level, but then you're like a year later when it's new information, oh my gosh, they're behind again. And it always feels like you're having to catch them up and catch them back up. Then again, that's an underlying issue. And so I want you to make sure that you get a speech and language pathologist on your side just to check things out. Because remember, in this world, if it doesn't look right, feel right or smell right, we get help. We get help fast. We would rather be wrong than not find out. I would rather go through the trouble of you guys getting a second opinion, making sure everything is A-OK. -okay, and you'd be like, Sharina, I checked things out. I saw this was going on and we found out everything was great. Or Sharina, we went and checked things out and we found out, hey, there was a little something going on. Thank you. Either way, 
I would rather you go see because we don't have time for wait and see. So, you know, I'm telling you, our name can be super deceiving because a lot of times when I tell people I'm a speech and language pathologist, they're like, oh, you help people with speech sounds. And they kind of think that it stops there, but it doesn't. Our role, again, goes so far, so wide, so deep because we understand language, thinking, all of those things, speech, brain, swallowing. We understand all that from the inside and out. Anything that has to do with this and up, we deal with it in some way, shape, form, or fashion. We deal with it. That's our wheelhouse. And we love what we do. And so I don't want you guys to be deceived by our title. And this is why I'm giving you guys this information, because a lot of times people just have no clue. But again, remember, I'm here to tool you up. And so do not, do not, do not be afraid to reach out and get your sugar some help if they need support. And do not be afraid to ask questions because there's no such thing as a silly question, more so an unanswered question. And finally, remember y'all, the only stigma our sugars are going to feel is the one that we put on them. And so if we put a negative stigma or a negative connotation on you need support or we need support or whatever it is we need, guess what? That's what they're going to feel. That's what they're going to pick up on. And let me tell you something. Raise your hand if you've never needed help. If you raised your hand, shame on you. <laughs> We've all needed help. I was biology dumb. I'm not going to lie. I was about, my husband helped me because he knew I was biology dumb. I told him I was biology dumb. That's how we met. I'm not kidding around. I was biology dumb. I needed help. We all need help. And so I don't want you guys to put stigma on stuff. It didn't mean I was dumb. It doesn't mean your sugar is dumb. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with their thinking or their learning. It just means that every once in a while, we've got to put our pride aside and get some help. Sorry for being frank, y'all. I told you guys, them kids, they had me. <sighs> They're great people, but woof. I don't know sometimes, world changers. I don't know sometimes, but we got through the week. We're, well, we're getting through it. We got through it. We're going to get through it. We always do. You guys know it's going to be all right. So catch up on past podcast episodes, blogs, and most important, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet, why? What were you doing? We're all at home. Subscribe. It's fun. I have fun. Well, we are better together as a community. Keep sending in your questions. Keep joining. Keep liking. Keep sharing and spreading the word because you guys know how much I love being here and doing this with you guys. And we're just going to keep the party going. So until the next time, world changers, take care.